Hello, and welcome to the Digital Health Leaders Podcast, a Chime membership series where we bring you the best of the best in digital health leadership. I'm Russ Branzell, your host for this podcast and the CEO and president of Chime, the College of Healthcare Information Management Executives. It is my privilege to welcome you to our new Chime Trailblazer series, where we meet with and celebrate those digital health leaders who are forging new paths, coming up with new inspirational ideas, and shaping an industry for the better. These leaders across the industry have proven their talent and determination as they innovate and transform their organizations to meet the moment and shape the future. We're proud to know those leaders and support them here at Chime. Today, we welcome two incredible leaders into the Chime podcast booth. Well, along with their colleague, Eric Decker, they recently received the Baldrige Foundation 2023 Leadership Award for Cybersecurity one of our nation's highest honors. Our first guest has distinguished herself through her contributions to the industry and in her current position as Senior Vice President and CIO of Cook Children's Healthcare System. She stands alongside her team on the cusp of innovative approach to technology-enabled care and digital transformation. She has received a number of individual awards on her own, including being named Most Powerful Women in Healthcare IT by Health Data Management from 2016 to 2019. She is the 2022 Dallas CIO of the Year Orby Award finalist, named by the Dallas CIO Leadership Association. We also are proud to say she is our reigning 2023 Chime CIO of the Year. She has served both as co-chair of the HHS Cybersecurity Task Force and as a member of the Malcolm Baldrige Board of Overseers. She currently serves as a faculty member of the Chime CIO Bootcamp and is a pace setter for designations such as the Digital Health Most Wired, Best Hospital IT Departments, and Best Places to Work are only a sampling of her pages and pages of accolades, and we welcome her to our Trailblazer program. Our next guest is an HIT evangelist and as a self-proclaimed recovering CIO and CISO with over 30 years of cybersecurity and technology experience. He is a great industry expert, teacher, mentor, and friend, full of great ideas and patience. He has managed software development for a major university, several large-scale implementations, directed systems audits for the largest pediatric hospital in the U.S., and led process redesign efforts in support of new systems and technology in various industry. We are really proud at Chime that he serves as our vice president for AHIS, uh, AHIT, and AHEDA. I'm going to probably get that wrong, but I'll give it the best shot I got here, David, at Chime. Prior to Chime, he served as Executive Vice President, External Affairs, Information Systems, and Security at Synergistic, a firm that specializes in cybersecurity. But now I've just learned as we are uh, finishing up Vive, I've learned he has also received a new title. He is now the Dean of Cybersecurity. So, Teresa and David, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks, Russ. Thank you. Uh, it is not an accredited university that I'm dean of, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just start off with the way I introduced this, with talking about the awards that uh, you've received. And so the National Baldridge Award is a presidential quality award. Actually, I should say it the correct way, kind of like when they say Ohio State, the presidential quality award is the only quality award 
that is given out by the president. It's one of the highest honors an organization can get. Uh, I do know this personally because I was at an organization in 2008 that received that accolade. I think it's still less than 20 healthcare organizations in the whole world that have ever received this recognition. And so the fact that you received the individual honor recognizing for leadership and excellence in cybersecurity is uh, quite an accolade. Only a few people have received that recognition now. I think you all are the oh, sixth, seventh, and eighth people to ever receive that recognition in the United States. And this is not for healthcare. This is for all cybersecurity across the country. And so uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on receiving such an accolade. Well, eight's my lucky number. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I will start. I'm a little hoarse today. I don't know what's going on with the voice, but, um, and it's not because I stayed out late. Russ is giving me the look. (laughs) Um, You know, I think I was actually very surprised. This was nothing that I would have ever planned, expected, um, dreamed of happening when I decided that I would try to help cybersecurity and healthcare. I think that was, I don't even know if I even would have ever imagined that. And so it's, it's a huge honor. Um, it's something that I will cherish forever. I think it's a, a great accolade to the teams that we have, the group that we worked with. Um, we had 20 hardworking people who really uh, helped us figure out what, so, what cyber should look like in healthcare. Um, and so it's really for the team. It's, it's less about me and more about the group that we had. Um, that worked on that with Eric and, and David and, and many, many others. And so I'm, I'm accepting this on behalf of the team. Wow. David? Well, pr- professionally, it's easy because it, it, it's a huge honor. And, and in my case, it feels like uh, vindication for, for 38 years of pounding my head against the wall. <laughs> uh, personally, it feels more like a longevity award. I am no Teresa Meadows and no Eric Decker. Uh, but uh, I'll share my background to help you explain, help explain that, that feeling. I came out of the theater. You, you may know, Russ knows, I, I have two degrees in theater, uh, studied acting and directing. I worked professionally in the theater. And one of my great uh, acting and directing coaches started us down the path. When, it, when a show was done, you, you found the best comments in any of the reviews and you put it on the front of a T-shirt. And on the back of your t-shirt, you had to put the worst thing any critic wrote about you from that show. And and what it taught me is you separate uh, your ego from the work you're doing. And and I feel like, Teresa, in in some sense, it was just another day at work. uh, I didn't expect it. So the the front of my t-shirt would say, wow, Malcolm Baldridge Award winner. And the back would say, why did it take you 38 years to get this? (laughs) Uh, so that's that's how I feel, but very honored uh, overall, and glad to see the the cybersecurity uh, role taking an, a higher level of recognition. Well, again, congratulations! It's very very well deserved for all three of you. I wish uh, Eric could have been here with us today to to share this. I know he's probably off fighting some cyber battle mm-hmm. somewhere. Uh, that's a great transition here as we kind of talk about what's occurring right now, in particular in healthcare, our sector. It just seems like uh, not a day goes by where we don't just, whether it be in word or in print or it doesn't matter where, we hear about the woes of cybersecurity going on in our industry, Uh, whether that be ransomware, whether that be direct attacks and denial of service and all the cool buzzwords that are out there, and then occasionally some big giant new software thing in the cyber world that gets its own little uh, acronym or word in there, you know, the wanna cries of the world. 
But it just seems like, I, I hate saying that the craziness of cybersecurity is normal now, but why, why do we just look at this right now that it's so pervasive in healthcare and why is it just hitting us almost on a daily basis and have now boards, C-suites freaked out, not just the CIOs and CISOs freaked out? Teresa? Yeah, I think that something has, we, you know, the pace of change in healthcare over the last 10 years has been very rapid. And we weren't really focused on protecting our organizations. We were focused on clinical quality care, getting our EHRs implemented. And I think we lost sight of, you know, some of the basic things that we need to do in our organizations like security and they, they kind of snuck up on us and then we had a pandemic and you put those things together where we're really distracted with technology we have a pandemic and we were just ripe for you know opportunities for bad actors to take advantage of us and and many organizations operate on a very low margin and cybersecurity is not a cheap endeavor it takes a lot of money to protect an organization. And so I think organizations struggle between, do I have money for quality? Do I have money for security? And what, and what do we do? And so that was really why I got engaged is so we could figure out creative ways to help everyone um, from the small one doctor office to the large IDN. Um, we need to be able to have teamwork in this process and help each other. So that's really why I got engaged. It's a true patient safety issue that we need to address. Well, David, I think in a recent quote, you even said we're no longer using cybersecurity as a defensive posture, but rather it's 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 part of the act of war. I mean, that's a pretty big statement, and and so I'd love to know what you thought about that relative to where we're going in healthcare right now. Yeah, for for my entire career, I have issued sports and battle analogies because this is the real world, and and war is should not be real, and and sports are a game. But we really have entered a phase where this is, uh, it, it is a war. They, they are attacking us. That's a word they use. Uh, we, we use uh, those words when we're in a battle posture, and, and that's really where we are. Uh, so we, we need to figure out how, how things move forward. Teresa's alluded to some of that. I, I was on the floor here at Vive, and someone's, someone came up and was talking to me and said, uh, cybersecurity is boring, and and I had a visceral reaction, uh, but I didn't bludgeon them, and I, I backed up a bit and said, you know, you're right. Cybersecurity is boring, but it's because we don't have the right people talking about it. So my goal has always been not to have CIOs and CISOs talking about it. They kind of get it, but but clinicians and and uh, registration people and and the nurses and biomed techs. That's when we'll know we're there, when, when that discussion really comes down to operations and, and daily routine. And, and then we can move out of battle mode because it'll be so ingrained in our practice. Well, Teresa, you mentioned a little bit there some of the challenges that keep coming up against, and especially in healthcare. I mean, this isn't finance. We're not spending 15% on uh, IT and another 4 or 5% in cybersecurity. You know, what, besides, you know, even the finance world, what, what are the challenges right now that we're facing on a cybersecurity uh, forefront? Um, probably our biggest challenge is just workforce challenges. Um, cybersecurity professionals are very, very expensive, and there are also not a lot in the industry. Some of the um, statistics show there's a million cybersecurity jobs available across all industries. So we're competing against the Amazons, the Googles, for these cyber professionals and in healthcare, because of our finances, um, we traditionally haven't spent a ton of money on resource 
um, no matter what the resource is. And so trying to find those professionals uh, to really help healthcare organizations is very difficult. I also think there's just still an inherent lack of education about what is needed uh, for cybersecurity at the executive levels. Yes, the boards are asking more questions, but they're still, they're still not comprehending all of the issues that need to be addressed. And, and I think we need also our federal and state and local counterparts to be committed to helping healthcare uh, through the changes that we need because we're not gonna be able to do it on our own and we need those resources uh, to help us. I think the, the last thing I would say is the technology keeps changing, the attack surface is, is different every single, every single day. We're hearing about chat GPT today where people are impersonating other people and you cannot tell that it's not your CEO based on that technology and so it's an ever-changing landscape and it's very hard for healthcare to keep up with the daily changes and so I think we have to find a mechanism to help support us through that that ever-changing environment. David, anything to add on these great challenges yeah. we've got? Uh, I, I think Teresa nailed it. it. It really is about training and awareness, and it isn't the, the hour onboarding you get when you get hired and the 13-year-old and the video that the, you have to look at every year to, to get your certification. Training and awareness has to go up and down the line. You have to be, if you're not doing cyber training for your board, uh, you're, you're missing it. And it has to go all the way down to uh, groundskeeper. And this is uh, from my history. We had some uh, groundskeepers. They're, they're mowing the lawns and, and trimming the bushes. And, and someone had dumped a bag of garbage out there. It was face sheets. Well, fortunately, these guys knew what to do and, and contacted someone, and they were disposed of. But cybersecurity impacts everyone in the continuum of healthcare. And frankly, I think we need to start reaching out to our patients because interoperability and APIs and phone apps, uh, the, the, the data's going everywhere. And, and it's not intentional, but patients don't understand the value of that data sometimes. But they will know who to blame if something goes wrong, and, and that's going to be the provider. Wow. Well, I, Teresa, you just mentioned this, but I'm going to punt this one over to David first here. As, as we look on a forward-facing landscape, as we think about, I mean, heck, I can't even imagine five years from now in cybersecurity. So let's back up even a little bit less than that. Let's just say 24 to 36 months, because that alone should be horrific for us uh, And looking at it that way. When you think about some of the, you know, buzzwords that are out there right now, and you just mentioned one that's that's real and present, and that's ChatGPT, but we also just have the overall concept of AI, uh, the fear of quantum computing coming in, and you go, why, why would that be a fear? And you start thinking about what it could do to old technology, old systems, old encryption, uh, even just the pervasiveness of IoT stuff right now. The other day I was somewhere and I was trying to connect my earbuds to my phone and I opened up Bluetooth and there was like 27 things I could connect to on Bluetooth and I didn't know what any of them went and I still couldn't find my earbuds. That was the most amazing <laughs> part in this whole thing. So David, as you kind of look ahead, is, is we have to be a bit of futurists to be protective of what we've got here. How, how do we look at this? What do you think is going to happen over the next few years? I think you're right, Russ. I think it's a shorter horizon than, than a five-year. I, I think this year and next year will be pivotal years, and I think it will be partly driven by legislation, which, which is the hard way to do things. But we haven't addressed this properly in our sector or as a society 
yet, uh, and we've certainly had technology for a while. Uh, I think I think we're going to see legislative legislation and regulation that will drive some of this, and and you've really nailed the the the, the nailed it on the head with with a sledgehammer here. We have so much connectivity. We talk about the healthcare sector being hyper connected, which it is, but even we as individuals, and and now we're we've got our chart on our phone. And we've got to be careful and we've got to start thinking. It comes back once again to the training and awareness and the risk assessment, uh, not only as an organization, but, but as an individual, a consumer and a patient. Uh, and, and, and we don't think about these things. I, I was looking, I, I had to call a plumber because the uh, pivot rod on one of my bathroom sinks broke the other day. And, and I didn't go shopping. I knew exactly what the part was, but I didn't know what it was called. So I called up a diagram of a kitchen drain system, a bathroom drain system. The next day, my whole feed from the internet was about plumbers <laughs> and, and plumbing parts. I just looked at a diagram that showed a drain system for a bathroom thing. If we don't think they're watching what we're doing, we are sadly mistaken. And the implications of that go on and on. And we, we don't even think of the bad things because most of us, our minds don't work that way. Well, I appreciate that because I've got my phone out here. And now <laughs> I'm going to be getting stuff about plumbing for yes. the rest of the day. <laughs> hey, Teresa, a bit of a, a, a curveball to that, or at least a twist to it, because you were a clinician, I guess mm -hmm. once a nurse, always a nurse, um, and, and you've lived in that world of taking care of patients. I mean, we could lock the world down, we could make this really secure, and then people like you and our, our doctors out there and our therapists and everybody else couldn't do their jobs. I mean, the best security in the world, what is it, a laptop buried under 10 feet of concrete, <laughs> but and, and, and powered off. But the reality is, We've got to find a balance. So you're on the front line of doing this. I mean, you're a clinician CIO mm -hmm. trying to balance security with advancing healthcare. I mean, how do you balance that? Yeah, that, that's a great question. It's, that, it's really a huge challenge because that we need to have open access to clinical records and clinical care to be able to provide the best, highest quality of care. But at the same time, you have to ensure that we're protecting the organization. And so some of the things we've done is really to David's point earlier about awareness. So we show a diagram to our nurses and doctors and it shows all the connected technology in a room. And we ask them questions like, how many things in here do you think are potential cybersecurity questions? I mean, the average ICU probably has 25 to 30 entry points. Wow. And just making them aware I always teach them that they're the first line. I mean, nurses and doctors are critical thinkers. They see problems, they solve problems. And so if they see something unusual, they're used to looking at a patient and saying, you know, Russ didn't really act that way yesterday. I'm not sure quite what that is, but he didn't act the same way. He's acting different today. And so knowing how your technology in your patient room works or in your office and noticing that something's different could be the first line of defense. Mm -hmm. And so how do we train them to use their critical thinking skills to be that first entry point of a defensive me mechanism? Um, and I think they just don't know, and that's really the issue is how do we get them to know, but we cannot shut everything down, otherwise we won't be progressing in patient care, we won't be using the latest, you know, the latest technologies, those types of things. So there's got to be a balance. Wow. 
Well, let's jump into this next question here, because this is I'm going to take us a little bit out of cybersecurity and, and more into the general concepts of leaders. You're both longtime leaders, people that, that people look up to, mentors. Uh, we, we've had mentors that have mentored us over the years, including ones that we've talked quite a bit about lately. And as, as you kind of think through that, you look at your life and go, well, you know, it wasn't the big cyber hack. I mean, we learn from those things. It's, it's other big lessons that we have in life, whether that's a, mod, a role model you've watched for a long period of time or, or some great lesson of some project that went horribly wrong, whatever it might be. So I'd love to hear maybe what your greatest lesson from a leadership perspective is that kind of has guided your principles of, of how you operate. So, Teresa? Yeah, I think the, probably what I was taught early on is to maybe take a risk sometimes. If I had not done something I knew nothing about, I wouldn't be in the technology career. Um, when they asked me to be, as a nurse, to implement CPOE, we didn't even have a computer on the nursing unit. I had no idea what they were asking me to do, and so I just took a risk. Um, same with cybersecurity. I knew nothing about cybersecurity other than it was something that we really needed to figure out how to address, and I signed, I, I put my name in a hat to be part of a initiative and lo and behold you become the chair um, and so I think it's about taking risks and maybe doing things that um, you want you don't know a hundred percent what it is you're going to do but it's an opportunity to learn something new meet meet people like Eric and, and David and others who really can educate you and teach you things that you never thought you would know um, wow. so definitely reach out and do things that you wouldn't normally do David Great lessons. I think, yeah, they are, uh, and, and it's a hard act to follow, but, but I think there's three things I've learned you have to be clear about, and that is, is one, your purpose, number two, your role, and who you serve. And if, uh, if it's ever about yourself, you, you are no longer a leader. You have to understand your purpose and your, your direct report's purpose, and you have to understand your role. And your role as a leader is never to tell people what to do, even though it would be easier and quicker. <laughs> you, you, your role as a leader is to inspire and, and motivate. And if you've got clarity on those three components, you have to add in values. Uh, I'll go back to my entertainment background, but there's a, a wonderful line in Hamilton where, where Hamilton is arguing with Burr. And Burr was famous for never taking a position because you couldn't get thrown out of office if you didn't stand for anything. And, and Hamilton says, if you stand for nothing, what will you fall for? And so we have to have values. We have to understand what anchors us. And above all, if you've got the clarity and the values, then you have to be authentic. If you don't believe in those, if you're faking them, people know immediately. And, and you, have to, you have to be true to those uh, those purpose roles and, and who you serve and then the values you bring to your, your life and your job. Well, as our time's running out, we'll finish with uh, the same question we're ending all these Trailblazer Siri podcasts with, and that's trying to bring it back to Chime and our Chime family and, and what Chime has meant for your career, what it's meant for your life, those kinds of things. And David, I, I, you know, you and I have known each other for a long time. I don't even know how long <laughs> we've known each other. I know how long with Teresa, but uh, David, what does Chime mean to you? Yeah, Chime, the, the only way to describe it, and, and unless you've been through it, experienced it somewhere, maybe not at Chime, 
it, is that it's it's family. I mean, coming to these events is, uh, I'm walking down the hall this morning, I see people I met yesterday, and then I'm walking down the hall and I run into Ed Kopetsky, who, <laughs> who I've known forever. And we greet each other like we we saw each other, we haven't seen each other in 20 years. We talk, uh, I worked with Ed in, in several jobs. Uh, he's been a customer of mine when I went to the dark side. And, and it really is about finding those people that anchor you in, in your clarity of purpose and role and, and the, the values. And they keep you authentic because uh, I can tell you that Ed Kopetsky will call me in a minute if, if I'm off base and tell me I'm off base. And those are the kinds of people we want to surround ourselves with. And Chime has an abundance of people like that. Wow. Teresa? Yeah, I would, I would say a lot of things that David said, but the other thing I would tell you is chime lets you know that you're not alone yeah yeah that's the biggest thing um we have a lot on our plates and if if we don't have people to commiserate with ask questions share information we we would not survive and i think that's really the key is you have people who are not only your colleagues but they're your friends and they share information so you don't make the same mistake 20 times over, you can, you have people that you can go to, and they are like family, um, and we sometimes get along, and we sometimes don't, but that's that's how, <laughs> how this is. But you, you're it's families. Yeah, you're never by yourself, so yeah. take advantage of that. If you're, if you're in Chime, and if you're not, definitely uh, think about it, because it brings you people that into your lives you would have never experienced but by yourself. Well, Teresa and David, unfortunately, our time on this podcast has come to a close, but let me once again congratulate you on your recognition. It is very well-deserved. Thank you. Um, and, but more importantly, thank you for what you do for our industry. Thank you for all the things out there. I just started writing down all the different things you all are involved with, and it just blows my mind uh, how many different things you help us with in this industry. Uh, you give and give and give, and we greatly appreciate everything you do. Uh, Maxwell said it well. Uh, good leaders create followers and great leaders create more leaders and you all create more leaders we greatly appreciate for doing that in our industry thank you hey we'd also like to thank you our listeners for tuning into this podcast of the trailblazer series through our chime digital health leadership podcast series you can visit our website at chimecentral.org forward slash media or on spotify to listen to this again or to check out other great top healthcare leaders Continue to innovate, transform, and create positive change to advance and improve health and care throughout all the communities we serve. For now, stay safe and God bless.